You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode nine of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast for chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind in existence. I'm your host, Hillary Jastrom, and today we are going into the rabbit hole. Anxiety is a pisser. It's a hurdle. And if you struggle with it, you know it can absolutely paralyze you, derail your dreams and your business. I have an anxiety disorder and my guest, Cole Van de Woostein, has one as well. But he hasn't let that stop him from working with some of the world's premier entrepreneurs. Please welcome to the show, Cole. So, Cole, I am so excited to have you on the Sick Biz Buzz podcast today. Um, and you're with the Writer's Fix. But you know what? I can't even do justice to all the companies and the concentrations that you're working in today. So um, why don't you give us a little elevator speech? I know you're a copywriter who specializes in conversion. You're also a very good friend of mine. So uh, I feel like I have the cliff notes. But um why don't you just share a little bit about what you're up to and um, what you're hoping to accomplish? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the podcast. It's definitely an honor. Um, but to kind of give you a little bit about you know who I am, what I do, uh, just real brief is I'm a copywriter for uh, some big name guys. Uh, one of my most recent clients is Ty Lopez. I collaborate a lot with the uh, Sharfin team. So Alex Sharfin, Katie Sharfin on a lot of his content. Uh, I've been working alongside a lot of tech startups as well, handling all of their like content for whether it be like emails their sales team sends out, sales scripts, um, positioning and social media for them as well social media content, blogs, articles, things of that sort, anything that really helps them sell their brand better and sell their products and services too. And then I could go on a very long list of all of the uh, businesses, entrepreneurs, and internet marketers that I write for, but um, that would be kind of a, a small example of what I do. Uh, the big picture, obviously, is to just grow the, the largest copywriting agency in the world. Uh, doing that not by finding all of the clients because there's so many clients out there. Every business needs a writer. They need somebody that specializes in email conversions, funnel conversions and ad copy and all that stuff. That's not the goal because that's the easy part. But the not so easy part is, is grabbing all of these writers and getting them on board with the mission, getting them paid what they're worth, getting them the work that they want to do so they can write about the things that they're passionate about that they love because i believe if you're writing about what you love it's there's no end to how amazing it can be and but when you're forcing yourself to write about something you know for me if i had to write about um science or biology i would i would pull my hair out because i'm not i don't like that i'm not passionate about it so I wouldn't be a very good biology writer, but there's people out there, there's writers, there's creative people that love that. So I want to give them all of the projects in the world to write about that so they can get paid what they're worth. They can write about what they love and they can have a lot of fun doing it. So that's kind of the goal is to build this big platform where writers can come together. They can pick out jobs that they love. They can get paid what they're worth and uh, 
obviously on the client side, business side, they're getting good quality writers that they know are passionate about the things that they need to write about in order for their audience to understand their business, their brand better. So you have got a multitude of objectives in front of you then. And the first thing that occurs to me when I'm talking to you is, first of all, holy moly, you just keep going. You just keep reinventing things. You just keep applying innovation to what you're doing. Um, Writers, from my experience and the people that I work with and myself, we love to focus on the creative aspect when it comes to Uh, more of the business aspect and some of the more logistical pieces, that's really challenging. It's challenging for people to uh, figure out how to put the right price on something. And in fact, I often refer to you as my pricing coach. So, (laughs) and I think it's a thing and I feel like you should take that domain pricingcoach.com and run with it. (laughs) It's another income opportunity. Um, But what you're trying to do is, compartmentalize it sounds like and and take some of the work out of what maybe the client doesn't do as well as they can be and what the writer or the creative person isn't doing as well as they can be and just because it's almost like a left and right brain you know the client is very oriented towards creating that revenue and we're going to plug in this piece and that's going to enable this piece and then the creative is like um I just want to, I want to be impassioned, you know, and swept away. So it's really cool that you're doing that. And it's really cool that you have a global goal. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I've actually, uh, thanks to you and then uh, my, my network and sphere of influence, I've uh, helped writers in Australia, New Zealand, London, um, and a few other smaller countries in Europe that I can't think of, or I probably just can't pronounce them off the top of my head, but I've had writers from all over the globe already. And I'm just, I haven't even announced this on like a full scale. I haven't run a full marketing scheme yet. Just from people knowing what I'm passionate about, what I'm trying to do, I've, I've been able to connect with writers all over the world. So it's a, off to a great start. A um, lot of foundational pieces I'm putting together still, obviously, but um, just networking and getting in that community, it's awesome. And being able to help and serve the creative community um, and reduce the the downsides of being a freelancer or working for yourself in this aspect or removing the fact that they would have to take a job that pays 50 grand a year writing for some company so they can feel like they're doing what they love, even though they're probably not a hundred percent in love with that job. So just removing all of like the, the entrepreneurial sides of things and making it super easy and streamlined for them. So they're getting paid what they're worth, which is more than most of the time, more than what they get paid now and get the jobs they want. It's, I feel like it's a win-win for everybody. Well, it really is. And the mindset shift, and I'll just briefly mention this before we launch into the reason that we're talking today and our topic of the day is actually anxiety. But we want to uh, make sure that people understand who you are and where you're coming from and what you're doing first. Um, yeah. But the mindset and the minds, I said the mind shit. <laughs> 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 that's that damn frog and then Cole cast a spell on me <laughs> earlier and now it, everything's coming out all wrong um it's the mindset shift 
for the copywriter or for the creative person or for the entrepreneur, um, in particular, the chronically ill or disabled entrepreneur, if you're approaching an opportunity to work for yourself with the mindset of what do I have to make in order to make it, in order to pay my bills, in order to meet this, you know, the monthly budget. That is a self-limiting belief that you're coming from. Instead, if you're flipping it, and this is incredibly powerful, what can I make? What can I do? It's a limitless mindset shift. So um, I just want to impart that today before we move forward. And we're going to be tunneling into the burrow of anxiety. So you are tremendously successful. You have single-handedly gotten yourself in front of people and worked your tail off in order to secure these positions of influence, um, pushing out these major brands and helping to shape and craft their brand voice as well. But what people don't know about you is you have done all of this in the midst of anxiety, which yes, is a, a, a phenomenal, it's enough, it's a phenomenal accomplishment in itself, but gripped by anxiety, it's, it's monumental. Yeah, I, and I would agree. And I, I do want to preface this. I don't believe I got to where I am single handedly by any means. I have, I have networked and I have leveraged my community of people that have helped me and supported me to get to where I am now. And I don't believe, and I don't see myself as successful currently, but, um, but I guess in a, in a sense, yes, the things that I have landed and accomplished and things of that sort, I have, I've, cha I've been challenged and faced with just awful anxiety to where it's challenging. It has been challenging to, you know, leave my bedroom and to take client meetings in person or sometimes even phone calls or um, Skype meetings or where I've had opportunities where clients wanted me to fly into their hometown. Like all the expenses were paid for and I just couldn't bring myself to get to the airport. I've had to cancel and I know I've left tons of money on the table. I know I have missed out on opportunities of meeting great people because of it. And it is a challenge that you face every day. And I, I feel like it's something that's not talked about as much because there's so many philanthropists out there that are currently either talking down on anxiety about how it's not something that's a real issue. It's something that you can just overcome with the correct mindset and things of that sort. And I just don't feel that it's as easy as they make it seem. And I feel like others with that face anxiety on a regular basis they just they keep it to themselves and they don't get the the support and the love that they need to to help launch out of it because of the way that some parts of society view it so yeah I, I would agree it's a problem I would agree I think there's definitely a stigma surrounding it it's um we come from this mentality of kind of quote-unquote man up uh, man up, get over it. I've had panic attacks all my life. Now, um, there is a physiological factor that comes into play, um, even precipitating those panic attacks, because you condition your body to how you are 
um, to the responses that you have to stressors. And so, um, and, and when we say that, it sounds like, well, if you condition your body, then certainly you can uncondition your body, but it's not that easy. Because when you condition your body, you start to almost rewire your instincts of how to handle stressors. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to overcome anxiety. And there are just uh, a multitude of tools that you can use. Um, I'm not afraid to say that um, I use Prozac sometimes. And I'm grateful for it because it softens that edge where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to die in this moment. You know, I'll, I'll go on and it'll be okay. And then uh, I think just going through it, you have the experience where you can share with people, you know, this is what works for me. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because with your anxiety, you still chose, and this is fully documented in uh, an influensive article, you still chose to put yourself back into rock bottom for one particular reason. So can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, so to, to give you like a very like top-down view of it, very, um, so like, so very easy to understand view of it, is I, I have experienced rock bottom, I believe, in my life. Um, one great time and then another time where I was getting close and recognized it. Um, and both of those times uh, I had spent, it wasn't like an instant switch. It wasn't the next day. I was a millionaire or anything crazy, but it was a mindset shift immediately. It was no longer allowing um, anxiety to control me going out and doing the things I needed to do to move myself out of those situations. So for instance, I was 18 years old. I had went from being 16 years old and a mechanical engineer intern making way too much money, like <clears throat> like way too much money for a 16 year old kid to getting laid off, to going to college, to dropping out of college when I was 17, to taking a job at a warehouse, making too much money again for how, you know, being an 18 year old kid, being miserable, quitting my job, taking a job I love, that job being taken away from me because it was a delivery driver job and my driver's license was taken from me. So not only did I have the internship job, I loved making a lot of money, went to a job. I hated it, found a job I loved that was taken from me. And this all happened within two years. Oh. And, and so, and then I went from having my own place. Life was great to no job, no money. My mom, I mean, I don't want to say this in a way that makes her seem bad because I, like I, I've understood this my entire life, but um, asked my mom if I could move in with her. She had told me no, that I needed to figure it out, which was not like her being a bad mom and making me homeless. I wasn't homeless. It was she knew I could figure it out. So I moved in with my grandmother. I took a job that I didn't necessarily like. I walked an hour and a half, almost two hours one way to work um, mm. every day and back um, and then got to a point where I could afford to get this apartment barely that was like two blocks away so i would walking back and forth um to the apartment i could barely afford food my mom was fortunate she was nice she bought me my first round of groceries that was basically ramen noodles and canned food 
because I knew that would last me the longest for how much money she was willing to spend kind of thing. So lived off of that. Um, but it was just miserable. I was stuck in this apartment that was not very nice. Um, I had a hole in my ceiling that was probably like two feet wide in diameter. Oh my God. <laughs> it was awful. It was just awful. Like it was crazy. Like I, to this day, I still can't believe it. You know, my, it, a, a pipe burst ruined my bed. Um, so I was sleeping on, I had, I saved up like extra bits of money, bought a little, like a hundred dollar futon from Walmart and negotiated with them because it was like a, a floor model or whatever. So I got that for cheaper than I should have. And I slept on that, which was miserable because it was, it was just super hard and not great or whatever. And it was just like, man, like I just, I was like failure after failure after failure, like things that like were good to me kept getting taken away in my life because for me, and I'm, I'm a lot different than I think most people, but like career and job and future focus, like that's everything for me. So when that gets taken away from me, it like, it shatters my entire life. Like it was like, my job was what I knew if I was at the steel foundry, I worked 80 to a hundred hours a week. I loved it. Like I wouldn't want to spend any of my time anywhere else, but there. And then when I had my delivery driver job, I loved it. I love the people I work with. I love the environment. I love the hours. I love doing what I did because I got to meet new people every day. And then that was taken from me. And then I had to move in with my grandmother and I had to sleep on like this little itty bitty bed. And then I had to walk two hours to work. Um, and things of that sort, it was just miserable. Like I, for me, I put myself in rock bottom. Yes. Rock bottom for other people is way worse than that is for me. But for me, I had decided I was like, I'm never going to be lower than this point ever again in my life. And I never want to be here again. And that's when I made the shift. I went from, uh, barely having enough money to pay my bills, to being an assistant manager of the store, to having extra cash, to traveling a little bit. And then taking my first commission-only sales job at the car dealership to buying my first brand new Lexus to then being the manager of the store and kind of running everything. And so I like leveraged all of the pressure, the depression, the anxiety, everything that I had felt. <clears throat> and I leveraged it and told myself, like, this is never going to happen to me again. And I catapulted myself out of that situation. So when I made the decision to put myself back in it, it was because I was depressed, not because I didn't have money or because my career wasn't going well. It was because I felt like I could do bigger and better things. And I kept getting stuck in a place where I didn't know how to do it or what to do. So I wanted to take away all of those things again. Mm -hmm. So I'd pack my stuff up and, and move to California with enough money for one month's worth of rent, uh, no secured job. Um, a couch to sleep on thanks to my roommates out here that are absolutely phenomenal um, and no real uh, idea of what I wanted to do why I was going to do it or any of that sort just uh, just wanted to force myself in a place where I was extremely uncomfortable where the anxiety the depression the OCD the every everything I could ever think of become piling down on somebody I wanted to put it all on myself at one time and see how I handled it again worst case scenario i'd be homeless i'd be living at the beach so like i was like that's cool <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'd, i would be good with something like that so um, yeah so that's, Calif that's what i did california is the place to do that like all right i'm just gonna join the rest of these people right here and sleep on the sand but exactly. it's it's fascinating because and we talk about this a lot you walked in to your triggers. You did not walk away from them. Triggers are extremely empowering and they are almost like 
uh, a veil that you can walk through. It's terrifying to walk up to your triggers. It's terrifying to touch them, to feel them. But when you come out on the other side, it is absolutely the most empowering feeling. And you also learn when you come out on the other side that you have maximized your fear into an unrealistic expectation that it's going to destroy you, you won't be strong enough, uh, you're going to crumble, you're going to die. Um, I think it's really amazing. And th the other thing is we talk about, and I say we, society as a whole, really stigmatizes. Um, for example, I have uh, a child who has ADHD, so he has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and it's important to denote that H in hyperactivity disorder, which manifests itself in all kinds of different ways. Like he fidgets. So we got him like a fidget spinner and stuff like that. And it, it comforts him to like right. keep moving. Um, but what we're learning about people with ADHD is they have an incredible gift to hyper focus. And so when it's something that is, you know, really interesting to them, like you talked about, you don't want to write about biology. Now, let me raise my hand and say, do not contact me about agriculture. Okay. Because <laughs> like, I will not write about corn, Roundup, herbicides, whatever. Like, just <laughs> don't even pick up the phone. <laughs> it's not going to yeah. happen. Um but I think we need to look at some of these quote unquote afflictions as actual gifts in a way. If you didn't have the anxiety, would you be able to bundle up and channel that tremendous amount of energy into, you know, into converting your life and converting your copy and converting your life? Right. right. Yeah. I I, yeah, I don't, I don't look at the, the mental illness stuff, right? That's what society calls it. I don't look at that as a, like a disease or something's wrong and something needs to be fixed. I think that I believe that yes, like you should leverage your anxiety, your depression, your OCD, your ADHD, your ADD, whatever it may be. I think there's a way to channel it properly to, move yourself forward. I think it's very challenging to overcome that and get to that point where you can begin to do that. And it's a, it's a lot of forcing yourself to be very, very, very uncomfortable, more uncomfortable than you've probably ever been in your entire life and do it consistently and learning what your triggers are, learning what the outcomes can be, because you're going to fail a lot. You're going to get rejected a lot. Um, especially when you start diving into these things for the first time and diving head first, especially, but after you try a couple times, you play the numbers game with it and you learn that, oh, if I, you know, I'm depressed when I'm in my bed, so I'm going to dive head at that and make sure I'm not in my bed ever again, because I don't want to be there. And you start sleeping on the couch or on the floor or whatever it ends up being and just avoiding it altogether <clears throat> to where you're like uncomfortable when you're out of your bed because that's where your comfort zone is when you're depressed you're curled up in a ball under your blanket you don't talk to anybody it's dark mm -hmm. spend an entire spend three four days outside go camping be outside all of the time eliminate it from your life and every time you feel that you're only comfortable in your bed go get uncomfortable somewhere else mm -hmm. kind of thing and then just start learning how to leverage these different things to help us help us grow as people and to 
help just channel these different things that we use. I'm like, if I don't get anxious before I get on the phone with somebody, <laughs> something's wrong. Like, I'm not, I, I feel like I don't perform as well. I use that anxiety that I have that builds up. And sometimes it's extremely, extremely, extremely powerful anxiety to where it's like freaking out. I'm shaking, I'm pacing in circles. I'm, you know, my stomach hurts a little bit. And then there's times where, I'm just a little anxious. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to say. Are they going to, is this going to be a good phone call? And I'm starting thinking. And then I, then I remember like, as soon as the phone starts ringing and I hear the rings going, I'm like, I think this is going to be good. This is going to be all right. (laughs) And it puts me back into a, into a zone. And this is what some of the most successful public speakers do is before you go out there, it is to, um, use that energy. It, it's really just this potential balled up energy that's almost eating you alive of like it needs release in some way, shape or form. So it's very helpful to find that release. So if you're going to be jumping on the phone with somebody to recognize I am anxious, it's okay. And I'm going to tell you, I have worked with multiple therapists on anxiety I had one therapist say to me, go out and buy an anxiety workbook. And I thought, well, the mere thought of doing that makes me anxious. But I went <laughs> <laughs> I went and bought the workbook. But every time I looked at it, it was very triggering. It would trigger a panic attack because it meant I had to dive into, you know, the cause of anxiety, which meant I was probably going to have a panic attack. So I bought the workbook and I hid it from myself. You know, it when we talk about making a conversion in mindset, it's very important to do what you can do. So the first step, I think, is self-awareness to say, I'm self-aware. I have an anxiety challenge. We don't like to say problem, uh, issue, that I'm, quote unquote, suffering from it because those are all negative connotations that speak to taking away your power. Everybody has issues. Anxiety, anxiety is a challenge. Okay, it's it can be uh, hard to struggle through it. But when you phrase it in such a way that you will be able to overcome it, you give yourself greater odds at success. So the first thing is self awareness. I have uh, an anxiety challenge. Okay, great. What can I do? What are some actionable mindset shifts that I can make inside my brain when I think about my anxiety. Okay, first of all, I'm going to say sometimes it's a gift because it fuels energy. And there are people who do not have that. There are people who are depressed. Now, depression and anxiety can kind of go hand in hand. But today we're just talking about anxiety, which is that that, uh, that energy that's just kind of coiled up inside of you. And, um, you need a mantra as well. I don't know if you have a mantra, but my mantra was, and I wrote about this as well, about how to channel anxiety into productivity. It was, you're not going to die. You're going to get busy. And I held on to that and focused on the action because it's almost like you need a distraction. Do you have a mantra that you give yourself? I so I guess I'm not sure. What I believe is that and I and I've conditioned my mind in a sense to where if I start to feel a little anxious, 
I start to tell myself that I'm going to enjoy the other side of it. And mm. what I mean by that is whatever I'm doing, that's making me anxious. It's making me uncomfortable, which in turn is going to make me grow as a person. So I'm going to learn something. I'm going to fail and learn from it. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to make a new connection. I'm going to, something is going to change. And I've started to accept the fact that we're guaranteed change. We're not guaranteed anything else in life. Mm -hmm. So I start to enjoy the outcome of what happens on the other side of the anxiety. And it actually helps it went from like very, very, very severe, like pacing and uh, avoiding phone calls, avoiding conversations with people, avoiding meetings to um, not avoiding them, to being a little less anxious every time I got on the phone, every meeting I went to. It doesn't completely resolve um, the challenge itself, but it helps reduce the severity of it uh, tremendously for me. So I've begun to just enjoy the outcome. Um, which gets me through it every single time. That is an absolutely fantastic way to look at it, that you're projecting forward into this is what I will be creating out of this. And each time that you succeed, each time you get on the phone, each time you leave your house, each time you hop on a plane, um, you will learn just how incredibly powerful you are. So I think the key is when you're in the moment, when you're in a panic attack, and this I'm just speaking for myself and Cole is speaking for him for himself, and everybody needs to discover what works, but it's a listicle of sorts. So the first thing is um, we talked about creating a mantra. And we talked about the distraction of it, the distraction from the physical symptoms. It's, um, it's important to give some prescriptive um, context around this, however. So distraction can be that you need to get out of your head. So... What you might want to do is focus on what you can feel. You're sitting on the couch. You can feel the couch underneath you. You can feel the fabric. You can feel the shirt on your arms. You're, you're kind of getting out of your own head. And that's a distraction mode. When you're channeling, uh, get busy. My grandmother used to say, go mop the floor. And it's. I think this is true because you talked about you know, being in your bedroom, huddled under the blankets, not wanting to get out. But if you take the action, this is another thing that people can focus on. Take an action. I am lifting the blankets off my body. I am rising up from the floor. I'm going into the kitchen to do the dishes, which requires energy. The more that you sit there and the more that you stew in this anxious energy that is just dying for release, the more that you are going to suffer. Um, additionally, I, I think it's really important that you tell yourself this is a fear of a loss of control. Whatever that control happens to be, um, many people feel like they're going to die, for example. Um, that's something that I felt like because your heart can pound, you have these physical symptoms, you might be sick. Um, you know, you may tremble, you may have a headache, uh, you may have chest pain. And of course, I mean, we're not, we're not saying ignore chest pain, 
you're fine. You're going to make it through. But if you're working with a doctor, for example, and you know that you're cleared and this is just one of the ways that you manifest anxiety, when you can recognize that, you can work your way out of it. So um, I think it's just important to kind of cover those I think we're up to four now, different ways of thinking about things. What do you do, Cole, when you're gripped in anxiety? You're you're there. What do you tell yourself to actually get your body physically moving? All right, so this might sound a little weird, but it's okay. So sometimes um, when I'm extremely, extremely anxious, I, I literally start reciting the alphabet back to me and almost singing it like the alphabet song and I don't mm-hmm. like the ABCs I don't know why I do that I, I've always done it it used to help me like calm my mind down to go to sleep at night mm-hmm. ever since I was like a kid um so sometimes I'll do that and, and just in my head um, never out loud because I, I feel like it's weird but um <laughs> Um, and I have a terrible singing voice anyway, so that's not going to help anybody out anyway. But well, um, let me I interject. Let me interject because I want it. I want us to be very careful about how we are. First of all, um, there's nothing weird. Okay, we all make yeah. these rules that kind of keep us safe or whatever. And like for years, I made rules for my eating disorder, and it made and I would call myself a weirdo. I would call myself a freak. So. I love that you're sharing this because everybody has something. And right now I know people are listening and they're kind of shaking their heads and going, Oh, I do this thing. Yeah. It's kind of funny. And you know what? It's okay to, to look at ourselves in that light and say, that's what helps me, but be very careful. I'm not talking to you, Cole, because I know this doesn't apply to you, but (laughs) be very careful with self judgment. Be very careful about labeling yourself. I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. I'm a this. I'm a that. The the second I started sharing that I was worried about eating particular kinds of meat and that I was worried about eating after a certain period of the day, the second I shared that with a, um, a therapist who did not laugh in my face because I anticipated they would go, okay, off to the loony bin with you. But this is why we have to keep talking and breaking down these stigmas. People are not these sanitized versions. Cole sings the alphabet song, you know, and I start typing like a mad, crazy flurry. And uh, I don't talk to anybody when I have my anxiety. So everybody has something. And the more that we can share and the more that we can accept that and say, oh, I do that. I do that. It's my special thing. And it's it's what makes us different, diverse and freaking cool as hell. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So. Mm-hmm. So how can people get in touch with you? First of all, let's give a rundown, because when I was looking at when I was stalking you, because that's what I do. <laughs> I podcast stalk people. Hi, yeah. my name is Hillary Jastrow. My podcast stalk people. Uh, so there you go. Um, when I was looking everything up about you and I already know about all your sites and everything like that, you just have a multitude of domains out there and different initiatives. So let's just drill it down. Let's drill it down into a bullet list of how can people get in touch with you? Uh, it's very simple. So colevandy.com, C-O-L-E, V as in Victor, A-N-D. 
E-E.com um, is my website. That's where you'll find my, my current client list. Um, I had my free book up there doing some tweaks to that. Thanks to you getting the <laughs> book cover redesign. Thanks to my buddy, James, who does all my book covers. Holla. Um, yeah, holla. <laughs> and then, so I'm getting that done. Um, and then I also have uh, my own app. Thanks to Dana Croft. Nice. Uh, it's my, yeah, it's, a that thing is amazing. Like if you don't have card tap for your, for your brand, for your business, if you sell something, it, you need it. So find Dana Croft, Dana Croft.cardtap with two P's.com. Uh, get her app on your phone. Look at it. Get mine as well. It's colevandy.cardtap.com. Put it on your phone. Have a lot of awesome things. I have a free PDF download of how to land your dream 100 clients. So if you're curious about how I was able to have Ty Lopez give me money um, <laughs> to help him sell more of his stuff, uh, that would be something that you want to check out for sure. Um, and then all my social media is just like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. It's all Cole Vandy, uh, V-A-N-D-E-E with two E's. Um, you can get a hold of me there. I'm pretty responsive on Facebook, uh, my Instagram, not so much. And then Snapchat, I post stuff of Southern California on a regular basis. So if you are not from here and want to check it out, that would be cool. Yeah, and you have really great pictures that you snap to where you're walking along, and they're just just full of contrast and saturation, and they're just beautiful. So um, copywriters who are listening, this is your opportunity to work with somebody who understands what it's both like. He is a, I, I called you a unicorn today because you are um, both able to understand the lucrative aspects of running a business as well as what creative people need. And copywriters, entrepreneurs, you need to ensure that your closing skills are strong. This is absolutely going to help you increase your revenue. So I encourage you to reach out to Cole. And Cole, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I just had a blast talking to you. Um, and I hope you feel super empowered sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely a, like an honor. And it's awesome to be able to share a little bit. Hopefully, my goal is because I know that I everything could be a lot worse for me. I could have a lot, you know, my anxiety could be a lot worse um, and all those things. So just anyone out there that's um, suffering from that, just know that life does go on. It does get better and you can do and live your dreams. Uh, so just keep pushing forward. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Um, it was amazing. It was empowering. And I really hope it helped to move you beyond some of your self-limiting beliefs. Sickbiz.com is an organization that is dedicated to helping chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs. And we don't talk about it enough, but that especially pertains to mental health fitness. When you're working for yourself in the midst of challenges, we definitely are encountering obstacles and challenges that get in the way of our strong mental health fitness. Today was especially special. Cole Vandy Wustein is a person that I work with. He is a great friend of mine, and I am so honored that he shared his story. And in particular, that we talked about 
some actionable steps that you can take to move beyond what can be and what can feel like, but isn't, crippling anxiety. Did you like what you heard? We hope you will subscribe and tune in many, many more times to Sick Biz Buzz. And you can subscribe wherever podcasts are available. In addition, we hope you will check out our site, sickbiz.com. And if you need to speak to somebody or you need support, please reach out, sickbizco at gmail.com. That's it for me today. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.